Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other hostess, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, because... As always, Wednesdays are for podcasting. You guys, today is a very special episode about mine and Becky's personal favorite horror series ever made, The Conjuring Universe. Yes! Should we have that orchestra in the background? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so bad. From the nun. Mm. You'd have to cast them, just me as Casper doing it, like, oh. <laughs> it's not the same, is it? It's not the yeah, we definitely, look, we, we went back and forth on like, <laughs> could we just play? And we were like, no. We don't want to fuck with anything no. with this because we love this series so much and it's our absolute favorite and we we don't want to chance anything against it, especially, you know, because James Wan is also one of my personal favorite horror movie directors and I know he's one of Becky's and we want to definitely just one billion percent respect him in these movies in any way, shape or form that we can. So we were going to play a little bit of the music box, but if you want to pause right now. Go to YouTube and type in the Conjuring Music Box and listen. And then you'll be able to hear it all you want without copyright laws. <laughs> right? Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, we are, so me and Casper uh, were talking earlier and we were talking about like our favorite horror movie series. And we were definitely both in agreement that The Conjuring is hands down number one in our books. And, you know, we really hope that, first of all, we hope you guys have listened to our uh, Warren's episode. Uh, That would have actually been a great, like, precursor episode to listen to prior to this one, just to kind of get a history of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I feel like these movies do the utmost justice and representing them and their stories and their cases. And even with some of the stories, like with one of the Annabelles and the nun being fictionalized, I feel like they all kind of came back to a certain thing in factual truth that really tied into the Warren story beautifully. And James Wan, hands down, is a master of horror. Cue applause. Um, <laughs> applause! He is like, we were just saying, like, Mount Rushmore of horror, he's right up there. He's up there with Wes Craven. He's up there with John Carpenter. Like, you know, he's he's the man. Well, it's like, you know, we had actually talked about it before in a past podcast where we said there was just like a dry spell. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, horror wasn't necessarily, horror wasn't horror anymore. And you kind of mm. felt like... You went to go see a horror movie, but it didn't scare you. It was just kind of like, oh, jump scares, huh? you know, whatever. Or and just reboot after reboot. I mean, anybody that's What a we're doing today. A, right. <laughs> anybody that was born in the 70s or 80s and grew up with <clears throat> horror movies, we all kind of saw that stretch of, like, 90s horror that was just brutal. There just really weren't a lot of good movies coming besides out. Scream. Or, oh, God, besides the Scream series, like... Finally, Wes Craven, like Wes Craven and uh, yeah, they, re- you know, that came into light. But besides that, there really was nothing that came about. It's like we were waiting for something to happen. And then as soon as James Wan got on the scene, it was like, 
Well, you there know, you it was go. like a, fr- a couple of friends of mine. I'll tell the story about when I first went and saw the first Conjuring. I was just getting into horror. So I had seen um, a lot of horror movies, but nothing that truly uh, reached out. Uh, newer, I should say. Nothing that truly reached out besides the fourth kind, but that's a movie on its own. But nothing that truly like reached out and was like, this is horror. This is scary. Like, I'm genuinely scared to go to sleep. Um, and a couple friends of mine, really good friends of mine, um, she was like, let's go see The Conjuring together. And I was like, I knew about the Warrens, so I was actually kind of looking forward to it. Because I was like, but the only thing I was like iffy about was, but I was like, I'm afraid this isn't going to show the Warrens in their true light. It was the only thing I was scared about because right. I respect them so much and they've taught me so much that I was like, I'm kind of iffy about it, but you know what? I'm like, I'll, I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a shot. Cause I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks pretty scary, but you know, you watch the trailers and it looks scary and then you go see it and you're like, what? The trailer <laughs> played all the good scenes and you're like, seriously. So I go to see it and we go to the latest showing. So it's like nine o'clock at night. And I go to see it, and for the first time ever, I'm in a movie theater in the fetal position with my hands covering my face. I can't even, like, I'm barely able to see through my hands because I wear glasses, of course. And after the movie was over, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I had a little tear in my eye. because. And then my friend's like, are you okay? And I said, horror is back. This is real horror. I'm I'm genuinely terrified. I'm like, I have to go home and go to bed. <laughs> I have to process what just happened to me. And I'm like, I... And of course, you know that night, I go to sleep and wake up at 3.06. Now, if you know the significance of 3.07 in The Conjuring, you'll understand why that scared the shit out of me. So, of course, it's 3.06, and I'm laying there with my, wise, my eyes agape. And I'm like... Get past 307, get past 307, get past 307, get past... Just, like, over and over, just trying to, like, make it through. Of course it does, nothing happens. But still, for the first time, I could not get Bathsheba's face out of my head. And it was scary. Mm. And I was like, for the first time in a long time, I truly feel like horror has a place again. And I started researching James Wan. And that's how I found Saul. And that's how I found Demonic. And that's how I found Dead Silence. And that's how... like I mean, it just goes on and it goes on. And James Wan is a fucking master at... He just... He knows how to do horror the right way. So, that's my seeing The Conjuring for the first time story. Ever since that day, I always go see The Conjuring movies in the, in the universe in the theater. And I always make sure I... Shout out to Mackenzie! Because we always see it together! Can't go see a horror, oh, a James Wan horror movie without Mackenzie, and she's probably like, <laughs> but yeah. So like James Wan really reshaped horror by being like, we need to make movies out of these. Yeah, for sure. And shout out to the casting director who casted Ed and Lorraine Warren because you guys. <laughs> I mean, hands down, like, just not only physically, but mannerisms, you know, obviously Patrick didn't have a lot to go on except for video and audio recording of Ed, but, you know, blessed that Vera was actually able to have the moments with Lorraine that she did prior to her passing because, you know, really Lorraine is... 
Ed was her anchor, but really Lorraine was the one. Like, she was so powerful. She should be sainted, as far as I'm concerned. And there is so much of the two of them in them that, like, you see a lot of Ed and Lorraine in Vera and Patrick, and I just, it's an ode to, they're, they both are just brilliant. It well, it's just like when you brilliant, watch... Brilliant. Patrick and you can Wilson. tell they appreciate it, too. Oh, yeah, they do. Because, like I told you, even Lorraine was like, these young people. Oh, she's so cute. Bless her. Um, when you watch Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson and other movies, I personally see them as Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Right. And, you know, when you watch movies of certain people, you, you see that actor or that actress. When they play Ed and Lorraine Warren, I see Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep. I don't see Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And it's 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 weird to me because, being funny here, I'm actually extremely attracted to Vera Farmiga. I I am. I'm like, obviously, for obvious reasons, if you've ever seen her, especially as Norma Bates, Lord Jesus. But I'm attracted to both of them. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to say. But no, for real, it's like, but when I see them as Ed and Lorraine Warren, I don't feel that. Because I see them... As Ed and Lorraine Warren. Right. I don't see them as Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Because they they capture them so well. It's like when, the when see, I almost just said when Lorraine Warren is on the screen, there it is. When Vera Farmiga is on the screen, it's like Lorraine Warren is on the screen. And they, just, whoever, whoever casted these two, I am forever in, like, oh, debt to you. Like, you couldn't have casted two better people in the world to play them. They just, they both did a phenomenal job. Yeah, they both did. And uh, I know my my memory to share with The Conjuring, if I haven't mentioned it before, is I had seen it. And much like Casper, it terrified me. And then I saw it again not long after with my mom, shortly before she passed away. And I knew about Ed and Lorraine through my mom. And she loved the movie. She loved everything about it. And, you know, it pains me that I lost her. But I also hate that she never got a chance to actually see the other movies. Because, man, she would have just been blown away. She really been blown, really would have been, especially to see the Annabelle movies. Because my first introduction to Ed and Lorraine was my mom telling me not only about the Annabelle story but about their uh, case with Amityville, you know, and they start off, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Casper, it's The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Starts the Conjuring off with the Am- starts off with Amityville. Starts off with the Amityville story, yeah. right. So, um, which was brilliant because that I kinda was... I wish they would do a Conjuring with, of that alone. I, I would enjoy that because I feel like there's been so many Amityville movies made, but they were only made... From the point of view of the Lutzes telling a little bit of the DeFeo story, but more so from the book that the Lutzes wrote. And I know that we've talked about that we both believe there were inconsistencies in their stories, but at the end of the day, that house is haunted. I mean, I don't care what you, you know, that house is haunted, hands down, it's haunted. And uh, the investigation that the Warrens did there was what you saw in the beginning of Conjuring 2 was very factual into what actually happened to them and what really terrified Ed. Well, 
before we get into the story, what really terrified Lorraine the most was not only her experiences there, but also what happened to Ed there. And uh, yeah, they did a really good job, even though it was slightly fictional. They did a really good job of nailing that in this in the second movie. They did a great job. Yeah, it was phenomenal. But we'll get into it. You know, we're going to go through all the movies. And um, do you want to start off by saying our favorites in order? Oh, yeah. By the way, disclosure. We are very aware La Llorona has been said that it is part of the Conjuring universe. Thank you for bringing this up. We are not counting it. No. Here's the reason why. <laughs> Even though James Wan produced it. Bless him. <laughs> he... There is a part of the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, and we did a whole podcast on this movie too, so if you want to listen to it, by all means, it's called The Curse of La Llorona, we go over the movie, and we go over the folklore. There is a part in the movie where the priest talks about a malevolent case that he had prior. He is talking about Annabelle, and it actually flashes back for a hot second of Annabelle. This is literally a 30 second sequence, and that is it. Personally, I do not consider this movie part of the Conjuring universe because of that reason. It is not concreted into the Conjuring universe. It's literally just the same priest. It's kind of cool that they did that. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of cool that they did that because, you know, with James Wan producing it, more than likely that's probably why it happened. But that movie had nothing to do with the Warrens. That movie had nothing to do with anything. It just, it was the same priest and that's it. So yes, we are aware it is part of the Conjuring universe. We personally don't consider it part of the Conjuring universe. Right. I mean, I feel like it would be similar to if we discussed, uh, you know, the they're they're going to make a movie about the Crooked Man, and you know, even though that was a character in one of the movies, it, it's just it's a standalone and. There's, well, it's going to be considered a spinoff, but it's even stated online that the curse of La Llorona is a standalone movie in the Conjuring universe. Like, it's a part of it, but it's a standalone movie. Because this was not a case that the Warrens investigated, and it was nothing that was tied to the Warrens. The only way that it's tied to the Conjuring universe is the brief mention of Annabelle and the brief sighting of the priest. And yes, the nun was a standalone movie, but it wasn't because the Valak is a core part of the Conjuring universe. Right. So the nun is not a standalone movie because Valak was introduced in the Conjuring 2, which we'll get to. But I know some of you are probably thinking, well, Valak, The Nun was a standalone movie. No, it wasn't. Because The Nun was an origin story to Valak and clearly ties in to the entire universe. So the only one that really doesn't make sense to be a part of the universe is La Garona. So far. Unless they tie the Crooked Man in somehow, which would be kind of cool if they did that, but... Right, right. That would be neat. That would be cool. I've also been hearing rumors, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I've been hearing rumors about a werewolf movie. Where they talk about the Warren's case with that. Because of Annabelle Comes Home. Right. I know we talked about that before, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one to 
talk about because that would tie back into a story of like werewolves, hellhounds, the whole thing. Yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to see whatever they come up out of this, and I'm I'm probably more excited, if anything, to see the third Conjuring movie. As long and we'll discuss more towards the end what oh, we yeah. what the premise to that movie is going to be about because that actually leads into a really really interesting real life murder case that the Warrens were involved in that was really amazing that I actually knew about that me and Casper like just talked about before we started the podcast. It was really, it's going to be a really cool concept. Well, as long as Vera and Patrick keep doing it, I'm all for right. it. You've got to keep them. If they stop, then stop. You know, it's been noticed by people that were even, even critics that weren't necessarily in favor of the Conjuring franchise have stated that the on-screen chemistry between Patrick and Vera as Ed and Lorraine is spot on. So even if you're not one that's generally a fan of the movies per se, there's no question that their acting as Ed and Lorraine is impeccable. Impeccable. So that's amazing that even if a critic can say like, yeah, but... Those two, hey, spot on. The movie, eh, but those two, yeah. Yeah, that's that's saying a lot. I feel like <laughs> yeah. even then that's saying a lot. That's well, a their chemistry off-screen is amazing, too. Them. Watch interviews with all. Right. That's They're clearly best friends. It says clearly. a lot. Yeah. For sure. And if I actually remember correctly, they're both married. So, yes. And their spouses are awesome. So. Yep. All right. So what is your favorite, what are your favorite movies in order? Of the universe. So, I would definitely say, um, probably, well, the first one, hands down, would be my favorite, by far. The second one would be Annabelle Creation, and that's only because it legitimately, (laughs) that scared me. Like, really, (laughs) really scared me. So, that would be my second one. Um, The third one would be The Nun. Uh, the fourth one would be Conjuring 2. Um, and then I would say the fifth one would be Annabelle Comes Home. And then the last one would be Annabelle. Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, we'll, we'll go into one. <coughs> so sorry. It fits in where it fits in perfectly. Yes, it does. But, it does. Eh, you know. My first, honestly, if I had to have, if I had a gun to my head and I had to choose... It would be the first Conjuring. Um, I actually have, when going back and rewatching these, I have to say Animal Creation changed. is yeah. up there with the Conjuring 2 now. Yeah. Because getting down to the nitty gritty of it, the first one's always going to be my favorite because the first one is the one that made me feel horror again. And it didn't rely on CGI and it didn't rely Ooh, on. No. It, it felt real. Like, legitimately, like, you're watching the actual story happen. Well, and then, too, going back and watching the Perones, the sisters talk about, and the mom talk about their experiences in the house, and even key scenes in the movie where the one was lifted up by her hair, where they corroborated that that actually happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you want to talk about... <laughs> Get the hell out of here. I mean, the fact that you're watching something on screen that actually happened to someone is horrifying. Um, So my second, if I had to choose, would be The Conjuring 2. 
then Annabelle Creation, then The Nun, and then Annabelle... No, actually, I, t- I forgot all about Annabelle Comes Home. It's because it's not out yet, so I'm like... <laughs> and we won't um, give any spoilers to that one. So, The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, Annabelle Comes Home, which actually those two can be interchanged. To be honest with you, those two can be interchanged because me too. Yeah, I, I said first Annabelle comes home over the nun, but rewatching the nun and realizing how much I loved it, those two can be interchanged. But Annabelle is last. Yeah. <laughs> the OG Annabelle. Yeah, is we last. weren't that far off. Mm-mm. We weren't that far off. I will definitely say, and I think that's because it, a lot of the decisions went back in rewatching them. Yeah, but my my favorite, my top two have always been Anna, or uh, Conjuring one and two. I don't think. I'll ever change yeah, those two, two being my favorite. Two was amazing. I I guess I would probably say that two and Annabelle creation would be a close for me as well because two was so good, but Annabelle creation legitimately scared me after I watching think it again. The reason why those two are interchangeable for me is because of Annabelle creation being so scary. Oh, but so the scary. ending. Of the Conjuring Two and the tie-in with Valid. That's it. Yeah, it was is perfect. what gets me. It was perfect. It was in the love story between Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, that was and that on. one was definitely very, very prominent. That was perfect. All right, guys. So the Conjuring One, <laughs> yeah, the OG, the one that brought us into all of this madness that we call the Conjuring universe of today, came out in uh, 2013. Oh my god. Yeah. What? Six years ago. I know. My brain's like, yes, there have been six movies, but my brain's also like, that was six years ago. Yeah. I'm 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 still stunned that it was that long ago that it came out. What's your name? Who's your daddy? <laughs> See Rich. <laughs> Rich like me. Every time they play that song, I'm always like, oh, yes. It's by an amazing band called the Zombies, guys. And fun fact, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hell yeah, they were. That's a badass fucking band. Love that band. Love that song. So this Um, movie takes place in the 70s, which is why we started singing that song, because they play that song, obviously. Yep. Oh, great way to start it. Right? (laughs) Now, The Conjuring does actually start off with the Annabelle story, which is the, the only time... The Annabelle story is real in this right. entire universe. Right. Is this part at the beginning of The Conjuring, which is what, like five or five-ish minutes? Well, this one and Annabelle comes home. Yes. When they go to pick the doll yes, up. Yes, that part is correct. That's the yes. only part we'll give away of that. But yes, and Annabelle comes home in the very, very beginning of The Conjuring is the only time that we actually get a factual story of Annabelle in the movies. Yes. Because if you go go back and listen to the Warren episode, we actually cover Annabelle in full. Um, it was about this girl whose uh, grandma, was it her grandmother? It was her, her mother. It was her mother that she gave nursing, her the doll. She was a nursing student. She gave it to her as a gift. Yeah. And then... Weird stuff started happening in the apartment. They invited the demon into the doll. I'm giving you a very short synopsis. <laughs> but go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> I'm not going to go into this fully. Uh, I'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it starts off with that. And then that's when you're introduced to Ed and Lorraine. And um, that's when um, he kind of talks about... They, go, they cut into where Ed and Lorraine are actually doing like a seminar. And 
um, they're basically talking about, like, the first... Well, they're not talking about that at this point, but they're talking about, like, people... <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite parts, is when he's like, what do you... Someone says, what do people call you? And then Lorraine pipes in and goes, kooks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, she's like, and we simply just like to be known as Ed Lorraine Warren. And then up on the screen comes uh, basically talking about how Ed and Lorraine Warren have been involved in these cases, and this is one of the most malevolent cases that they've ever been involved in, and nothing, nobody's really known about it until now. And then cue the Conjuring, right? Title, and then it goes into the family. Uh, they're moving into this new house. And is it pronounced the parents? Is that the name of the? I think it's Perone. Perone. Okay. Apologies if we incorrectly. I think it's. Can we can we look that up? Yeah. Un momento. We'll check on that. Yeah. But, well, well, um, while I'm going, um, we. So they're moving into a new house, and they try to pull the dog into the house, and the dog's like, "No, bitch, I'm not going into this house." And I believe it's the Perrin. Family. Is it Perrin? Yeah. <clears throat> Because I've heard it different ways. I've heard Perrin. I've heard Perone. I don't... I need to hear it out of their mouth. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> so, um... They... The dog won't go into the house. They eventually, like, get settled in. And then they play a game called Hide and Clap, which is actually foreshadowing to future events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> Where one of them were playing Hide and Clap, and when she jumped into the closet to scare somebody, she hit a board, and the board actually fell down. These, like, she was like, oh my god, like, the board op- clearly opened into a new room. So, um... The dad comes in and he opens it up and they're like, oh my god, we have a cellar. So he goes down into the cellar. He notices all the old things, all the antique things. And um, they're like, yay, we have all this extra storage space. Woohoo. And I'm like, bitch, if you move into a new house and it's got something boarded up like that, leave it boarded up. I've read stuff on Reddit and different things where people have found like secret rooms and houses that they buy or like. I, look, I, first of all, I wouldn't go investigating by my goddamn self. I would call somebody and make sure I, I don't know. That just like, I'm not going to be like. That just screams no. Ooh, there's this, there's this fucking room I didn't know nothing about. Right, exactly. This literally screams, don't go in there. Like, yeah, this is, no, stop. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, absolutely not. But. Yeah, I think so. The premise is that they were going to try to sell stuff. They were kind of checking stuff out. And then not long after that is when shit really starts getting real. real. And yeah. stuff that, you know, uh, actually really happened to the family. Um, you know, and that, all- that led into the scene where she was on top of the wardrobe. On top of the wardrobe. Woo! That, that part was creepy. Woo! Oh my God. <laughs> um... So it all ended up leading, the things that kept happening was like at 3.07 a.m., the clocks kept stopping, hence why Casper mentioned that time, birds were flying into the window, the dog was found dead in the backyard, uh, the little girl saw the Bathsheba spirit, uh, Carolyn, the mom, no, plays well, the hide and clap game and ends up getting trapped in the basement because it was the spirit that was clapping, it wasn't the kid or who she, whoever she thought it was, it just all of a sudden the shit starts happening. But even prior to that, 
she was having all these bruises all over her body and she was getting really sick. And then also another thing, and we've talked about this before, and I believe it was on the Warrens episode because we mentioned about demonic activity. Um, scratches, especially in the place of threes, guys, mysterious bruises that are unexplained and the smell of death, a literal smell. That's something that was repeated a lot in the conjuring that the parents described a smell of rotted meat of sewage of a toilet backed up it's like you'll know you know what that smell smells like when you smell it and if it's unexplained all of those things combined nine times out of ten are probably demonic activity when she goes also there was a smell like reeked in my bedroom last night it smelled like rotten flesh is it still there no Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> That's such a mom thing. That was such a mom Mom's thing. Mom's like, is it there? Still there? She's like, no. And she's like, problem, problem. solved. It's like, then why are you complaining about it? Well, it was very odd. Mom. <laughs> like, that was great. I love so, it. Um, also, the youngest girl kept seeing a little boy. Um, this little boy spirit was like her friend, uh, Rory. Was it was his name Rory? I believe so. I believe she kept so. in the toy box. Um, she found this little music box outside by a tree, and um, of course that's the music box note that you. It's very very common with all of the Conjuring movies. Um, and she brings it in, and she keeps every time she plays it, she'll see him in the reflection of the mirror in it, and um, so. Eventually, they get to a point where they're just having... It's so much is happening that the mom decides to go to the seminar. Now, they don't show that part, but she apparently she just probably heard through the, heard about the Warrens through something. What's actually really cool is in this scene is if you notice, actually, Lorraine Warren is sitting. The Lorraine Warren is sitting in the room of the seminar um, while they're zooming in on um, the mom. Lorraine is actually sitting like in the front seat like in the front and then this camera's like painting right past her face. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, Oh my God, is there a word? And Ed and Lorraine cool. are talking about like steps to possession and, uh, of demonic activity. And they're like, you know, there's the, the first part is, you know, the, the things you hear. And then the second part is like oppression where they start getting like, excuse me, where they start getting more, basically start feeding off of you and basically start getting to the point where, which is all of this is true. Like every, every bit of this is true. And then the third part is possession. So at the end of the seminar, she goes to them and she wants to talk to them. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm really scared for my children. Can you come take a look? And Lorraine agrees, which obviously means Ed agrees. And they go look at the house and Lorraine immediately sees, um, a evil presence, like demonic, presence attached to them as soon as she walks into the house so you know she talks to ed and she's like i really feel like that we need to help this family and you know i feel like we need to do an exorcism on the house well of course in order to do that they have to get proof uh for the church in order to do that because the church isn't going to just be like okay exorcism great they have to have proof to do that so they set up a couple nights where they would actually get proof of the paranormal activity happening um, the first night they don't really get much of anything. Lorraine just feels a lot of, you know, she's a medium, so she feels a lot of stuff that's going on in the house. Um, 
And then the second night, they actually get pictures of a spirit following the youngest girl up into the wardrobe, which they have to eventually find using a UV light. I need a UV light. Right. (laughs) All ghost hunters. (laughs) I need a UV light. That's how he said it. A UV light. So they get the UV light. They open the wardrobe. They find her hidden in this, like, passage Lorraine ends up going in there and finding the fucking noose that Bathsheba, who is the demon that is haunting this place, killed herself with. Which, going back to that story, she killed herself at 3.07. That's why the stops the stops were clocking. Okay. That's why the clocks were stopping at 3.07. That 307. was amazing. Which actually leads me to a part that actually genuinely scared me was when he recorded, and Lorraine recorded the conversation between them and um, the parents, and it didn't record. When he replayed it, it didn't record. It only recorded his voice. And then when he played it back, it was actually 3.07 in the morning where they were, and these haunting, creepy voices started coming through it. And that part actually scared me. Um... But, so, she found the noose that Bathsheba hung herself with, and we're all like, oh my god. And then she ends up falling through the floorboards, and of course, you know, Ed is freaking the fuck out, because he's like, oh my god, my wife just literally fell through the house in the wall. So, she falls through, goes to the basement, basement's creepy as fuck, (laughs) and um, she's down there, and eventually sees a woman crying, and it looks like there's a boy in her lap. And she says, she made me do it. And um, you end up hearing, throughout the movie, at certain times, you hear what sounds like a noose tightening, which is actually creepy in itself. You hear that noose tightening, and then you see Bathsheba's feet. Because she's, like, underneath this kind of, like, I don't know what you would call it. She's, like, underneath, like, a cabinet-looking thing. I'm not sure, but... Uh, you see her feet, and then the feet stop, and they turn and turn towards her, and then she comes at her, and she fucking runs up the stairs, and she's screaming, she possesses the mother to kill the child. And that's how she found out why the mother is being beaten, basically, and bruised, because she's trying to get her, um, basically weak, so she can possess her and kill the children. Um, and then, uh, the girl, of course, gets dragged by her hair at that point. That's creepy. That's scary in itself. Right. And because, like we said, we end up finding out that that actually happened. Yeah. That was actually a part of the story. Like, that actually happened. Yeah. So they took all of the proof that they had to the priest, and the priest was like, I'll, you know, we haven't seen something like this in years. I'll definitely, you know... He, he definitely... He kind of said he'd push it through himself, basically. So they go to a hotel to stay the night. The mom ends up being, she she's acting funny, like, the whole time. She's just kind of staring off into space. And then um, the dad calls Ed and Lorraine and is like, hey, you need to get over here. The girl said that she just left smelling like rotted meat, which is not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> if mom smells like rotted meat, something is wrong. Right, and like we said, that is a clear sign of demonic possession. But, um, yeah, so after that, like... Kind of, in in conclusion, if you've seen the movie, so basically what happens is that Carolyn gets possessed by Bathsheba. Um, she becomes possessed. 
it's not time yet for them to get an exorcism approved. So Ed goes ahead and does it and they save the day. Carolyn's fine. And, uh, they take the music box from the house that they were seeing Rory in back to their Warren case museum. Um, and then quickly, just to kind of give a history, uh, Bathsheba was an actual person in the 1800s that lived on the farm, lived in this farmhouse with her family. And it was rumored that she was a witch or was practicing some type of witchcraft or Satanism. Um, she was actually a relative, a distant relative from one of the witches. Well, they weren't actually witches, but one of the people that were accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials that was hung in 1692. So uh, Bathsheba actually killed her baby. She had had a newborn baby and she took a hat pin and stuck the hat pin in the back of the base of the baby's skull and killed the baby. And they found the hat pin in the baby's skull and the baby died. So she was hung for the crime and she forever cursed the land and anybody that, that dwelled on it. Um, after the parents moved, the people that lived in the house following that stated that they never had any activity happen to them. They actually even tried to sue James Wan in the production of The Conjuring because they stated after the movie that they just got a multitude of crazed fans, Satan worshippers, people spray painting and breaking windows and trespassing on their land. Um, they ended up actually selling it. There's a couple that has recently bought it that is going to remodel it into a bed and breakfast. And they, they have stated that all kinds of activity are happening to the place. They're trying to remodel it as close back to what it was as the farmhouse in the 1800s when Bathsheba lived there. Um, and I guess during this renovation process, they're getting all types of uh, sounds, voices, footsteps, knocks. I guess we'll see because the Halloween episode of Ghost Adventures, they're going there. So of course we they are. see all about it. So stay tuned and watch that. I know I will be. Um, I'll be I'm watching not fucking that live. Yeah, I'm not I'm fucking not going, going there, but no. I will be watching it live. I want to see what happens. I have actually heard, um, if you guys get a chance to listen to some, and listen to some interviews with Andrea Perrin. Um, she does some podcasts. She does, she's written three books. And she has done uh, interviews about what actually happened with the Conjuring House. And it's terrifying. It's truly terrifying listening mm -hmm. listening to it coming out of somebody's mouth who lived it. And I remember one story in particular. She talked about how it still she they will not let their mother or youngest sister watch the movie. Because it's too personal. And... Um, she said at one point the mother actually sat up in bed and screamed Bathsheba's curse and laid back down. Um, so it's still clearly affecting them, even though they moved out. And, you know, it's 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 sad. But if you want to learn more about the real story behind it, definitely listen to Andrea Perrin in her interviews and read her books. She has three books. Right. So, and you can get them on Amazon Kindle, I think. But. Um... So we are now going into The Conjuring 2. Uh, this came out three years later in 2016. And uh, this was the Enfield Poltergeist case in 1977 that uh, Ed and Lorraine were uh, one of many paranormal investigators that came in to uh, another family. Um, it was a single mother. This is actually takes place in England. Um, Enfield 
was a town in Yorkshire in England that had, um, I guess for lack of a better word, the only thing that we could compare it here to and to America, I would think would be like, like section eight housing where basically it's like government owned housing. So if you were poor, um, or like we said, this was a single mother raising kids by yourself, the government basically provides you housing. So you, you're not homeless essentially. Um, and there ended up being subsequent poltergeist activity there that was happening. Now this is the real life case that was happening from an old man that had died there that was starting to possess uh, one of the children, the the daughter, one of the youngest daughters, actually. Um, the paranormal investigators that they mention in the movie a little bit, Maurice Gross, he was kind of more involved with the story rather than the Warrens, but the Warrens in 78 actually did go and visit the family. So at the end of the movie, when you're hearing Ed talking to um, Janet, is her name, when you hear Ed talking to Janet, the playback of the tape that they play at the end, that is the actual recording of hearing Bill Wilkins' voice come through her that Maurice and Ed, Lorraine, they were all actually sitting there and recording as they were hearing it. So in the movie, they play it a little different where the priest brings them the recording. Knock, knock. And Bill, 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 Bill. My name is Bill Wilkins. And I'm 72 years old. (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to do that. I just felt the need. I felt so sorry for him. Oh my God, poor guy. But that freaking voice. My house! If that scared the fuck out of you, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Because it scared the fuck out of me. It scared the fuck out of me too. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's the only time in a movie theater I've ever screamed. Oh my god. I was horrified. I have never screamed in a movie theater for any movie in my life until my house. And then I was like, oh, it was his house. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this one was this one was interesting because just like the conjuring, where the conjuring started out the very beginning of talking about the Annabelle case, which is another one of the Warrens cases, and then went into the parents and Bathsheba. This one starts off, even though it's about the infield, starts off originally about the Amityville case. Um, and where, that's where... It's where the nun gets introduced. Um, so it was very interesting because when the Warrens visited the Amityville house, there were a lot of significant things in real life that happened to them. So, and they tied that so beautifully into the movie where, uh, there was, so the demonic activity in that house was so strong that it did actually have an effect on Lorraine to the point that she was catatonic for several days. So as it's described in the movie where she didn't leave a room for several days, didn't eat, whatever that actually did happened because of how powerful the demonic activity was. Ed never had heart problems ever in his life until after they were in this house. When he was in the house during the demonic activity, he was thrown, he was pushed, knocked down, he had heart palpitations, and then for years after had heart problems. Even heart problems that they think led into his death later. Like he never had heart problems prior to the Amityville house. And the actual line that Vera recites in the movie that Lorraine said that 
I think you remember the exact words, Casper. She, what did she this say? This is the closest to hell I ever want to get. Lorraine said that word for word. Um, she did have a vision of Ed's death. That actually did happen. She really thought Ed was going to die. She thought the malevolent spirit that is in this house was going to kill Ed. So they tied that so beautifully into the movie with Vera as Lorraine having this vision of Ed dying. And that vision of Ed dying is precipitated by the nun character, Valak, coming in and being responsible for Ed's death. Um, Lorraine has mentioned seeing demons, has mentioned seeing uh, a nun figure. So that actually did come from her that James took into account. Because um, it's taking something and in, in blasphemous as to her faith. The most blasphemous to yeah. her faith. You're taking a nun and you're that this demon is taking on the vision of a nun. Uh, so that was something that James tied in. And then, as we've mentioned many times, James saved his ass by not using the actual but guys, spelling. Guys, Valak is a Valak. real demon. If you don't know this, Valak is, is a, a real demon. Valak is a deceiver. Um, Valak it is, is spelled V A L A C. And James Wan saved his ass by spelling it V A L A K. And that's exactly why he did it, because he knew you're referencing a real demon. And you can look it up. Valak is very real. But it's spelled differently. And everything so. that Lorraine says when she discovers the demon's name is exactly who Valak the demon is. The deceiver. Demon of snakes. Like, that. that is what that actual demon represents. So, again, James being the amazing artist, director that he is, tied that, so, tied that realness into the story so well. Um... That Yeah, so we start off the story there, and that was amazing. And of course, you know, at the beginning, you're like, who, who is this? Because you, you don't know who... This is when Valak is getting introduced. You don't know who Valak yeah, is. Yeah, we don't know who Valak is. You're just like, okay, clearly this or awful-looking nun is wanting her husband to die. What right. is happening? Why? And why? Because <laughs> So, next we flash forward in 1977, and we're introduced to the family... In the London sub- suburb of Enfield. It's the uh, Hodgins family this time. Um, and it's four children, single mom, living in this home. And then the youngest starts playing with this sort of like makeshift Ouija board under her bed. Uh, she's not the youngest. She's the second. She's the second to oldest. Because the youngest is the little boy. That's yeah. right. So Janet starts playing with this Ouija board and then that Damn it. actually Janet. starts happening. I'm so sorry. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Damn it, Janet! I just made a Rocky Horror Picture Damn show. It. Janet. Um, and you know I got it immediately. <laughs> Damn it, Janet. How can you not when you hear it? How can you not when you hear that name? Some people have never seen that movie. And I'm it's sorry. A, it's a travesty. And I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry. You just... You just need to see it. Um, you just need to. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, Janet starts to have these dreams of entities. She starts, you know, like, she thinks it's sleepwalking, but ultimately she discovers that it's this old man um, because she actually, yeah, the thing that you the thing that you yelled out, my house, that scared shit out of, it sh- should have scared shit out of everybody if they saw the movie, certainly scared the shit out of me. It's one of those jump scares you legitimately don't expect. Right. Because the whole time you're on edge. 
Like, that whole scene, you're on edge. All of a sudden, they finally go back to her, and he's right behind her and screams, my house. And I was like, fuck! Your house! Okay! <laughs> well, and then the police get in. The mom discovers the Ouija board. She exp- she sees... The Luigi? The Luigi. She discovers the... Or she starts having activity. She sees activity happening. Well, they it's when she finds that board and she rips it in half and that whole fucking dresser. That's right. Moves the door to slam it shut. And, and she was like, cause she wouldn't believe her kids. She wouldn't believe them. And then all oh, of a know. sudden the fucking dresser moves and shuts the door. And I'm like, do you believe them now? She thought they were kids being kids. <laughs> I get it. But she, they call the police. I guess, I mean, what the fuck else are you going to do? The neighbors, they go run to the neighbors. Actually, neighbors call the police. So the neighbor, the police actually witness a chair move across the floor and they have no explanation for it, but they say, you know, we will, there's really nothing we can do except file a report. And the one cop says, you know, we can contact a priest for you. Well, they start to gain, like, it starts to get around town, obviously, small town of what's going on. And, uh, they're met by a, a news reporter, and then that's when Maurice Gross gets involved, and he's a paranormal investigator in England. Um, and from there, in the movie, is when they record the when they record the tape of Janet being possessed by Bill Wilkins. That tape gets back to the Warrens, and uh, the interesting part of the movie is when they play back the tape. And Ed's like, it just sounds like a confused old man. Is he senile? And the priest goes, that voice came out of a 10-year-old girl. And you just see the look on their faces, like, what's happening? They have the look of, like, oh, this is happening again. And they actually <laughs> decided that they weren't going to take on any more cases because Lorraine didn't want to. She, she Well, Ed started Ed, getting visions of the same right, demon. He was painting the nun. He was painting this. And he took... Like, Lorraine just told him, like, I had this vision that you were going to die, and and I didn't want to do any more cases. But then when she realizes that it's a family with kids, she can't pass it up. It's like, we we have to help this family. So they go over to England. They start investigating it. And uh, this is actually true to the story as well. There were some things that were caught on video and caught on film that some believed... I still kind of go back and forth and I'm glad that this movie came out because I myself went back and forth with the Enfield Poltergeist case a lot because some of the evidence looked real, but then some of the other evidence looked fake. It looked staged. Um, pictures of Janet and her sister levitating looked like they were just jumping on the bed and somebody caught them in mid-jump in the picture. Uh, it, it was very hard to... To tell what was fake and what was real. Now, the movie suggests that the reason why Janet did fake some of this stuff was the demon was telling her to get them out of the house, which very well would make sense because, of course, a demon doesn't want anybody that's going to come in to call its name and and get it out. But who's to know if that was true to the story? Um, Anyway, in the movie, that is how it's set. Lorraine never picked anything up until they actually left the home and Ed played back a tape that they got of Bill Wilkins voice coming out of Janet where they realized that through not only that but a vision Lorraine has that Bill is just a conduit for this demon and the demon is Valak. 
she figured out Valak's name when she had a vision at her home. Yeah, can we talk about that part? That scared the shit out of me. Because I told you, Judy, she's sitting there reading her Bible. Judy, all of a sudden, the daughter, has something weird happen to her. She gets up and walks away. Lorraine's like, what's going on? Follows her. Judy looks down this hallway. And then Vera's standing behind her. And you're seeing them on screen. And she goes, Mom, who's that? And, like, points her finger down the hallway. Next camera pans down the hallway. There's Valak standing up in the hallway. And right if before, guys, if you guys missed this Easter egg, I actually had it pointed out by a friend of mine. Thank you, Kai, for this. And then you pause, pointed it out to me. Pause right when you see Lorraine and Judy sitting and she's in front of a bookcase. Bible, the bookcase. Pause it and look at the screen. Look in the bookcase. There are blocks. There are letter blocks that clearly spell out Valak. Each shelf has a letter on it, and if you look from left to right, it has V-A-L-A-K. It's amazing. I was like, holy fuck! (laughs) It's amazing when you see it. Because after this vision is when Lorraine starts to write the name into her Bible. She she asked, she said, who are you? And it clearly tells her, because she's writing it in the Bible. Well, when she has the vision that now she knows Bill Wilkins is just a conduit to Valak, they go back to the house immediately. Well, Ed tries to break into the house. He gets in. Uh, a steam pipe hits him in the face. He's unable to see, but he able he finds Janet. Janet is now possessed um, and has broken a window and tries to jump out of the window. And Ed grabs her and uh, Lorraine is able to get into the house and she sees Valak. And that's when she calls out Valak's name. I know your name, demon. And and it's amazing because at that part, the her like the demon itself just like falters. Yep. It's like amazing how powerful that is. Yep. She's like Valak, and it's like oh, like it literally like it looks like it feels pain. And you're yes, like, and if anybody yes. knows anything about the rites and rituals of a of a Catholic exorcism. It's the most powerful, not only to call on the name of God, but to know the demon's name. Yep. Because to call the demon out is to challenge and banish the demon. And that's the one thing that they don't want under any circumstances. Um, But once the demon is gone, they're able to save Janet and Ed. And all is well after that. Can we just talk about the part really quick? Can we go back to the part where Lorraine first introduces herself to Janet? Because... That part. Oh, that story is so sweet. Because she talks about when she, because she's like, you know, people used to not believe me. And then I finally found someone who did. And she said, and what did you do then? And she said, I married him. And I was like, ah. And then she talks to Ed for the first time. And he says the same thing. And he goes, you know what I did then? And she goes, you married her. And he goes, so you've heard this story before. I was like, they oh, just that that ah. was the cutest representation of the love that those two had for each other. And then he fucking sang, "I can't help falling in love with you," and looked oh. at her the way he looked at her. <laughs> couple goes, at, couple goes, couple goes, goals, <laughs> goals, not goes, goals. It's like. Kept the goes. How many times am I gonna say goals? <laughs> I keep saying goes. 
Couple goes F. You're like, I can't. I just, I can't say this word. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not computing to say this word. Yeah, it was just beautiful. That, that movie not only was an amazing introduction to Valak, it really showed a beautiful, beautiful love story that Ed and Lorraine had. They loved each other. Oh, yeah. I cried. If you didn't cry at the end of that movie, I don't know what's wrong. Especially when they're dancing together. Fuck! <laughs> like, I don't know what's wrong with you. If you didn't get emotional at the end of that movie. You're like, oh, it's so precious. It was, it was. Well, so what would be the next? So the next Annabelle one. Annabelle Creation. Yes. So that Well, one, actually, no. If we're. It'd be, if we're doing it in the correct order, it'd yes, be Annabelle. That's true. Um, so Annabelle actually came out in between The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. The way that they have the theatrical releases. Which you can um, actually still, though, you can watch it after The Conjuring 2. It's it's not a part, technically, it doesn't really matter. As long as you watch Annabelle Creation after Annabelle, you're solid. Yeah, please do. Because uh, <laughs> you go, you're going to get all messed up if you watch those two out of order. That's going to, that is, you're going to be really fucked gonna mess up. You up. So, um, Annabelle. As we said in the beginning of The Conjuring, where you have the only real factual story about the actual Annabelle doll, that part, and, of course, the beginning of Annabelle comes home, um, where it's the nursing students and the actual story of Annabelle. Uh, this movie, Annabelle, kind of takes on its own storyline about how uh, Annabelle, the doll, got introduced. Um so first and foremost, we should say that the actual Annabelle doll is a Raggedy, Raggedy Ann. Ann doll. A huge Raggedy Ann doll. Like the size of a toddler Raggedy Ann doll. Like if you look up pictures online, and I think we've posted them of Lorraine, Lorraine holding the doll. I mean, this doll is fl- freaking huge. It's almost as big as she is. <laughs> um... So this movie starts off with the Annabelle that we see, which is a porcelain doll. Um, and, uh, it's gifted to, there's a husband and wife and, uh, the wife is pregnant. They're expecting their first daughter. Well, um, their next door neighbors end up being murdered by their adoptive daughter who na- whose name is Annabelle. Um, Annabelle tries to kill them, ends up in their house. I like your doll. Like, I don't Oh, bitch, I don't fucking care. You fucking like my doll. So, um, um, yeah, this was he he gifted Annabelle to her because apparently she was part of a set, right? So the husband gave Annabelle to his wife as a gift. Uh, The neighbors end up getting killed by their daughter. They said she had joined a cult, and uh, she breaks after killing her parents. We actually her adoptive parents, I should say. Um, she kills them. She breaks into the couple's home and ends up in the room with the doll and kills herself while she's holding the doll. Uh, so that's not weird. Right. Yeah. That's not strange at all. So like we said, her name was Annabelle. Um, you, she clearly had an attachment to this doll. She pointed out this doll in particular, had it in her lap, and was, like, holding it. Like, legitimately holding it. I mean, this was a whole room full. It was in the nursery. It was in the nursery um, for the baby that they were expecting. So, of all the dolls that she could have picked up, that's the one doll that she decides to hold when she kills herself. Uh, So, after the attack, the couple moves to a different residence. Uh, 
the well, not right after. Birth. It's right after they started having stuff happen. Remember, because they had after the attack, she felt uncomfortable, but that's when the stove turned on by itself, and the fucking house caught on fire. And then she tried to get out, and when she tried to get out, it she pulled her get back. Out, did she try to get out through the basement, or was mm-hmm. it through? The... It was in the kitchen. Because that's the, right. He he had set something for the popcorn. She ended up falling asleep, so he turned it off. And then the next day, he goes to work, and then she's just chilling and doing some sewing in her room, and the stove turns on by itself. And then, she of course, it catches fire. Yet. No, she's still pregnant. That's right. She's still pregnant. And then she goes in the kitchen. She's like, oh, my God, it's on fire. So she's trying to, like, get out of the house. She trips and falls and is crawling. And when she's crawling, she gets yanked back by right. nothing. Right. Exactly. And that's when she's like, we got to fucking get out of here. I right. can't be in here anymore. And that was scary. Like, her just getting pulled back by fucking right. nothing. I do remember that part. That was horrifying. Because that was gets... right before the cops and the firefighters walked in. was right when she got yanked back. Right. So after that, I mean, yeah. So I would, I would think after that, the first part, this part, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> let's leave. They do move. She does give birth to a healthy baby. Um, but then of course they, I think so. They actually thrown out the husband threw Annabelle away. Yes, he did. And then when they were unpacking, she found Annabelle in a box. Did not know and, he threw it out though. Right. She actually didn't. She decides to go ahead and keep Annabelle. Even though she looks then, dirty. Mind you, course, the first time well, they bought this doll. Trash. Yeah, the first time they bought this doll is white. And then she pulls it out of this box as they're unpacking and she's like turning black. And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, after she decides to keep her is when activity starts happening in the apartments. You know. Um, she starts the wife starts looking more into it. She wants to find out what's going on. She talked to the detective, the original detective that investigated the murder. Um, she got information that Annabelle was a part of a cult that believed in some summoning demons. Um, which is fine. Right. That's, that's well, an everyday cult. <laughs> I think so. They end up, well, they don't even know at this point that it's even tied back to her. They just think it's like they worshipped a demon. And the well, demon she had up. kept that picture because this was after the part. So she went downstairs to do put something in storage, gets the laughing of the baby, finds the the um, baby carrier. There's nothing in it. Okay, the demon right. grabs that's her right. arm, and that's when it puts the symbol on her. And it looks like an A, but it, it's actually just a symbol. She tries to go back upstairs. That motherfucker's at the end of the stairs. I didn't appreciate that part. <laughs> right. But she goes upstairs and she, um, that's when she gets in touch with him and then finds the picture of the symbol right up next to where Annabelle's sitting when she killed herself because that symbol was written in blood. And then she was like, oh my God, that's so weird. The symbol was the same that was on my arm. Because she put something on her arm, took it off the next day. It was completely gone. And there was gone. nothing on her arm. Right. So that's when she actually went into looking at the, the, what the symbol meant and found out that that was actually used to conjure up demons. So not long after that, she and the baby are both attacked by the demon manipulating the doll, and they decide to contact their parish priest. Um, he takes the doll. He was hoping to get the demon actually out of the doll and his plans were to call the Warrens to help aid in the investigation. 
um, the demon inside Annabelle actually attacks him before he can even enter the church, before he can even go into the church. Because obviously it's like the demon isn't going in there. The priest is still alive. He is hospitalized. Um, he warns them that what they're sensing is that the demon is trying to claim the baby's soul. Um, the soul of an innocent. Of innocence, right, exactly. Uh, so they actually use... The demon uses Father Perez's physical form to come into the apartment. Now, mind you, the whole time he's in the hospital. So, uh, the mom, to spare her daughter, was actually going to jump out of the window to kill herself. So she thought that that would keep her daughter's soul saved and that it would actually take her. Um, so she, the father comes home in time. There's a neighbor that they actually have who she lost her daughter and she becomes close to the mother and the baby, very close to them. She kind of senses that there's something going on. Um, and then she is actually able to get into the apartment when all of this is going on to stop them. And she decides to take her life in place of the mom and the babies. Um, as a result of being with her daughter that she lost years ago in a car accident. So she basically sacrificed herself for the family. Um, the demon seemed to disappear within the doll. Um, and that was it after that. Of course, well, actually, at least with that family. At the end of this movie is a little bit of realness too, is when that lady goes in the store and is looking for... Right, a because doll, she said, I'm looking for a doll for my daughter. Annabelle ultimately ends up back in a, a shop and a woman's buying her for her daughter. <laughs> and so then that takes us back to the beginning of the first film with the nursing students and her mom buying the daughter to the real life story of the actual Annabelle doll. So, um, yeah, that movie was our least favorite. It ties well into the story, but it wasn't. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting how critics and fans felt the exact same way because this one got primarily negative reviews, but then we flash forward to creation. our next one, Annabelle creation. And it made me a little nervous for Annabelle creation. I was like, Oh, gonna be good. I think it did that with everybody. Like it wasn't <laughs> just you. It was everybody. I mean, I heard people were like legitimately worried that like, ugh, you know, Annabelle, Annabelle relied on a lot of jump scares. Like yeah. I said, it tied well into the story, but there wasn't. Now, on the other hand, Annabelle Creation, this one came Oof. out in 2017. This movie legitimately scared the shit out of me. I was it's actually scary. terrified of. And Annabelle one of the Creation. reasons is here. Here's the thing that a lot of movies do to me that I don't appreciate necessarily. And this isn't in every case because. And, and Annabelle comes home, and in um, Annabelle Creation, this is actually scary. When you show the demon, for some reason, I'm not scared anymore. And I feel like, like showing it in full. They kind of showed it in full in the original Annabelle. And I feel like your imagination can conjure up something way worse than what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So when you see the demon in full, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. It's just clearly a guy dressed up. But in Annabelle Creation, they do it in such a way where there are a couple parts you see it, but you don't see it. Like, the, there's never really a part where you fully see it. 
And that's terrifying to me because your brain is going to fill in the missing pieces. Oh, my God. You see its hands a lot, and you kind of see half its face at one point, but you really don't see it. And that's what scared me. Because your brain's like, I'm going to come up with the worst scary shit in the world as opposed to what you're looking at. Right. Exactly. Because once you see what you're up against, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, your eyes literally play tricks on you. But, you know, I mean, I think that's to the to the credit of the director of photography. Like, to a- be able to set up scenes in a way with, you know, lighting, sound. It- it's, 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 it makes your eyes play tricks on you even worse mm-hmm. when... The camera shots and the angles are fucking with you. So it's like it adds more. Don't show me what it factor. looks like. Right. Give exactly. me hints. So my brain can fill in the rest. Because exactly. my brain's going to f- scare me way more than you can. Right. And this movie. This movie did very, that. very heavy on that. So this is sort of giving. Now this story is completely fictional. Completely. But it gives you. It. It ties in a backstory of the Annabelle doll, of the actual Annabelle doll. So we know we mentioned in the first Annabelle that there was a daughter killed her parents, her adoptive parents. Well, this one starts off with a little girl named Annabelle who was killed in a uh, horrific car accident. Um, This happened like really early on, like the 1940s. And it was a family, it was a parents who were doll makers. So they actually were the ones that made the original Annabelle doll back in the 40s for their daughter, Annabelle, who ended up dying. She was very, very, seven years old and said she was. She stepped in front of a car and was hit by a car. So it was horribly tragic. Um, Twelve years later... The uh, family decides to open up their home to provide shelter for a nun and six girls that were left homeless after their orphanage closed down. Uh, One of the girls named Janice has polio, so she actually has to wear braces on her legs. Um, She feels really left out from the group of the other girls because obviously she can't keep up with them as well as everybody else. so she's all she has well, a sister. Don't forget, add that she has a sister. Is that her? That's her sister. Mm-hmm. Sister. Pretty What's sure. Little girl's name. I can't remember her name. Janice though. is her name. Okay, so Janice is actually the girl with polio and um, her Linda. Sue. Linda. Sue is Linda the doll's is name. Her name. Right. Linda is her name. So uh, Linda's Linda, the only one listen. That she's actually, really close to right. So she starts to find different things going on in the house more before, so before the before other we girls. go into that though i want to point out a part in this movie where valak is and actually it's very faint and you have to really look for it um when the nun moves in the father comes upstairs to like yeah this make is sure before anything starts yeah this is before anything this is just kind of like hey we're settling into the house right um he goes upstairs and he picks up a picture of these nuns and she goes, oh, those are some nuns that were at a convent, yada, yada, yada. In Romania. In Romania. And she names off a few of them. And he goes, oh, who's this? And there's a part in the right side where it's completely, like, blacked out, basically. It's like but the light reflection. moving the picture and you can see a nun in the, in the, in the far right side and it's Valak. And he and goes, it, oh, who's that? And she goes, 
oh, I never met her. And I'm like, bitch. <laughs> I mean, of course, not having the movie, you know, well, yeah, you do have the reference from The Conjuring 2. But that's it, it, yeah. But that's it. And you're just like, wait. I just remember grabbing Kenzie's arm and being like, metallic. <laughs> like, that, how, did, what? So, like, it's, it, that right there, like, you knew who it was, but still, we don't know where that ties into the story. So that was a neat little, like, That was a nice nod. <laughs> um, so the Mullins keep the door locked to their daughter's room, to Annabelle's room. And, uh, Janice and Linda are staying in a room next to there. Well, they start, Janice starts hearing sounds coming out of the room. Uh, she's told the door is locked. She ends up being, the door is unlocked. She got into the room. There's a closet in the room that she finds a key to. And when she opens the door, no, nope. there's Annabelle. Can we talk about this scene? Can we talk about this scene for a minute? Hold up. Let's pause on this scene. Because she oh walks God. away from the door. Nope. And it opens up. And she goes back and closes it. She walks away. It opens up. So oh, she, my God. I was so She scared. goes back, opens the door, and puts a sheet over top of this motherfucker. Oh, my God. Closes the door again. The door opens. The door opens. And then this bitch gets up. With the sheet. With the sheet. It gets up. It starts walking towards her. And as it's walking towards her, it's pulling the bottom of the sheet. So she's going to no. see it. She's going to see it. <laughs> and then it fucking pulls it off and there's nothing fucking there. I was like, motherfucker, bitch. No. No. Oh my God, I was so scared. I don't think I've ever said no so many times I was so in a film. Scared. <laughs> oh, you and me both. I was like, no. No, no, or as many no, screams. no, no. Oh, I had a lot of, oh! Like, I had a lot of those, just, like, t- horrified. Because this... Well, it was like the fucking scene where um, she goes in there again, and Linda actually goes in there with her, and she hits that motherfucker with the... Gu- so she's got, like, a gun that has a ball with a string, and she hits Annabelle in the face, not the meaning doll. to do it, the doll. And it's looking away from them, and then they're talking, and then it looks back, and that motherfucker, that motherfucking bitch is looking at them. That bitch turned its head. I'm like, nope. And was like, you hit me with a ball? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm at home by myself watching this, and I'm like, that motherfucking bitch just turned its motherfucking head. Like, no. You need to get that motherfucker out of there, because this is motherfucking crazy. That's, no. And Linda <laughs> the whole time is like, let's get out of here, let's get out of here, let's get out of here. Yeah, Linda knows what's up. Well, Linda I think, listened. I think Janice feels a kinship to Annabelle because she finds out how young she was when she died and, and whatnot. She ends up seeing, well, she sees Annabelle's spirit and, or what she thought was Annabelle's spirit in the room. <laughs> and when she tries to, oh, there it goes. Is it time? Is it really? Well, it's, it's a little, little after. Really, but... I was like, it's a little after. I'm like, cue. God damn. Every time. We tried to cough. She, she tried. Oh, you did a good job. I think you did a good job, good job coughing away from the microphone. They did a good job this I'm like, time. I'm like, I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like crying. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I think the time when she realized that it wasn't Annabelle's spirit anymore is when she said, what can I do for you? Or what, what can I do for you? Or something like that. And she's looking she out the, the window, and then it turns around and screams, your soul. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that's, I think, no, it wasn't at that point that it entered, but it, it 
injured It was Janice. getting close. Yeah, it, it injured it her other her, leg to where she picked her up, walk. threw her to the ground, made it look like she fell down the steps. Uh, she does end up in a wheelchair. Um, and then this is the part, ultimately, when it does. The next day, the wheelchair gets pushed into the barn. Uh, By a nun who's, Annabelle, like, not... Right. She thinks it's Sister Charlotte, but it's not. She ends up in the barn, and she sees uh, Annabelle, the little girl, or what she thinks she is. And she throws up this, like, substance in her mouth. Just like the original Conjuring, actually. Right, in the original one. When Bathsheba did it to, um... To Carolyn, Carolyn. mom. Uh, they hear her screaming, but they come in, and then Janice is saying she's fine, and Linda knows something's up. Well, <laughs> Linda knows what's up. Because she looks at, you know, she sees this, she can tell by her face. Well, Linda happens to mention to Mr. Mullins about the doll. Like, tells them, you know, she knows she wasn't supposed to go in the room, she knows she wasn't... And uh, he goes, wait, that, that doll's not supposed to be tough. Like, he freaks out. He goes back in the house. He starts hearing, he sees the doll. He starts hearing his daughter. Actually, it's Janice, but it's a song that his daughter used to sing. You are my sunshine. Yeah, which is terrible because that's such a great freaking song. You and it's, <laughs> I mean, it's such a beautiful song altogether. And they just totally ruin it for the movie. I'm well, my like, mom okay, that's fucking sang it to my sister and me. My mom sang that to me and my sister all the time. Yeah, it was horrifying. So now when she sings it, I'm like, ah. <laughs> so... Instantly, she turns into the demon. She kills Mr. Mullins in a brutal, brutal, brutal way. Dude. Uh, dude. Ripping his fingers off the ugh. crucifix. Yeah. Jesus. That movie was brutal. So they find his dead body. They go... Well, Sister Charlotte takes the doll, goes into Mrs. Mullins' room. Mrs. Mullins is, like, not having it. She's like, get the fuck out of here. Get away from me. <laughs> well, that's when they start to tell her. Like, they realized that, you know pretty early on that that was not their daughter that was inhabiting the stall. They wanted so badly to see their daughter again, but then they really quickly started to realize that it was not their daughter. And as soon as they tried to get rid of it, uh, it attacked Mrs. Mullins. It ripped her eye out. It paralyzed her. Uh, they tried to get out. Then shit starts getting real. Uh, Janice falls asleep. I would like to asleep. also point out at that part right there, when I was watching this movie, my DVD player shut off. And pop the DVD out. Yeah, I know, right? <clears throat> right when she's like, yeah, we invited it into the doll. And, you know, we've quickly realized. And then it just stopped. And then the DVD pops out. Thanks. I was like, okay. And to make matters worse, I tried to put it back in and it wouldn't work. I was like, what yeah, do I make like of this situation? I did not want... <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't want me to watch this anymore I'm sorry but I really need to get through this I was like, like I was almost done so could you give me like 15 more minutes yeah I don't have much longer that was very rude uh, they find out what's going on from Mrs. Uh, Mullins or Mrs. Higgins rather Mullins I'm sorry Mullins, Mullins. Not, whoa. not Higgins yet Mrs. <laughs> Mullins so they find out what happens Janice falls asleep with the doll Linda tries to throw it down the well Doll's not having it. She tries to grab Linda. They get back in the house, Sister Charlotte and uh, Linda. The doll is there. Uh, Janice tries to kill them. She throws Sister Charlotte into a, uh, like, dresser cabinet thing that has a mirror on it. Vanity mirror, basically. The mirror breaks. They don't really know what's going on with Sister Charlotte yet because she's passed out. Uh, the girl, Linda's still in the house. She tries to hide in a closet. 
the other girls get outside. Um, there's one scene where they're in the truck. Oh my God, this creepy ass scarecrow thing that turns into the demon that the girls in the barn trying to get away from there. That's this whole scene, like towards the end of the movie is really chaotic. Cause there's like kind of two separate things going on. Well, Linda is, she ends up in the room back in the original room that Annabelle was in. The doll is in the closet. Janice is trying to come after her. Janice finds her, opens the door, is going to stab her. Sister Charlotte puts the puts a rosary over her, says, forgive me, and pushes her into the room that the Annabelle doll was in uh, that had Bible verses all over the wall to contain the spirit. Um, the house starts going haywire. All the bulbs burst. The cops show up, uh, and the girls are fine. Flash forward to the next morning. Um, Janice is no longer in the room. She had actually broken through the wall and had crawled out of the wall and ran out of the house. The cops couldn't find her anywhere. Um, the priest takes the doll, or no, actually, they throw the doll in the back of the cop car. <laughs> they were uh, like, whatever evil is haunting this house. So which one do you want it? Want it anymore. So which one of you want the doll? And they were all like, mm. I wouldn't want nothing to do. Look, okay, fine, good. I'm glad to hear that, but I don't want that fucking doll after what happened. Oh my God. I would not want anything, especially, I think, well, Linda really saw the worst of that, what happened with that doll. So Linda I definitely was like, want to have Linda's the only that one that doll. really knew what was up. <laughs> I would have not want anything to do with that doll. So we ended up seeing, we end up seeing, we flash forward that Janice ends up at a, another orphanage. Uh, she is now going by the name Annabelle. She is possessed by the demon. Um, she is at this orphanage and she is approached by a family, the Higgins. Mr. and Mrs. Higgins. Who adopt her and uh, they give her a raggedy Ann. Guys, they oh, give her a raggedy Ann doll and then we're all like, oh my God. So I know a lot of people were probably, and I'm sure you know, I was one of them, that when the Annabelle movie came out and that they were going to do a story about Annabelle in any fashion, you know, I was really hoping. But, of course, you know, you have licensing rights, and I'm sure that that is not something. I mean, bad enough when the original story about Annabelle came out with the Warren's case files. No, I'm sure the company that manufactures Raggedy Ann dolls was not happy about that publicity. So I'm sure it was probably not easy if they even tried to get the right I feel to like use, sales but... would go up and down though because you got the people who are like oh my god haunted and they got the people who are like oh my god no so but you know g- genuinely though the actual doll that they use for the movie is pretty fucking scary I will say it's definitely way scarier than the guys it's kind of like one of those things why would you even want purposefully that? make I used to think porcelain dolls were scary anyway when I was a kid and that one just takes the fucking cake it's I wouldn't like... want it's huge it's got this scary ass look on its face well, they adopt her. They give her a Raggedy Ann doll. Um, Looks like the Wendy's girl on meth. And then they flash forward. <laughs> exact. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> we flash forward another 12 years later. And we have the very beginning shot for shot of the Annabelle movie. As we know, uh, in the original Annabelle movie, the Higgins adoptive daughter has joined a cult. Well, now we know that she's actually the one that started the cult because she is possessed by the demon. Twelve years later, she comes back. She kills her adoptive parent. She goes in the 
people's house that have the doll and puts the demon back in the doll because she kills herself. So you are my sunshine. And of course, they end the movie sunshine. on that. I'm like, God damn, you are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. Okay, and let's. In case that fucking song, god damn, Casper, like, in case that fucking song's, let's hope to God that that's one of those songs that's, that's a public domain. You don't fucking know anymore. You can't even you really sing happy know. birthday for God's It's not sake. PR. <laughs> My God. So, yeah, that, holy shit. So, that ending... If you want, I sat really for a solid like ten oh minutes after that movie and was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck, James Wan?" Perfect, <laughs> shot for shot, tied it right back into the tied it in so 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 so. I so mean, because well. as you're sitting there, I mean, and I was like this. I'm sure, like everybody else was, as you're sitting there, you're like, <laughs> "Wait a minute, wait a minute." wait a minute. So like <laughs> after they adopt her and they start going through like the age progression of the photos and then they're in that bedroom and then the pain. I was like, hold up. I looked at, I looked at Rick. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Me and Mackenzie, <laughs> me and Mackenzie were like, wait, wait. I think it wait. was a collective in like the whole theater where everybody that was fans that had seen, had been following along. We were all like, and God bless you if you hadn't been following along and you were one of these people that was like, I don't get it. There were people sitting there and they were just kind of like, okay, like that was a cool movie. And I was like, no, you clearly don't understand like, what just happened. You. Like, have you seen Annabelle? No. Well, go fucking watch Annabelle because you don't appreciate this, which is why I told you guys at the end of last season <laughs> at the end of last week, watch them in this particular order. Right. Otherwise you won't appreciate them. Yeah, it was funny after the theater, the ones that were like, oh my god, you know, at the end, and then the ones that were like, you could tell the people who'd seen it. Huh? I don't get it. It was okay, but what was the big deal? And you're just like, oh my fucking god. And when people are like, what was the big deal? I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, just, you, I don't, I, no. Like, I have to recover. You need to just go watch the movies and catch up with your life. I need to, like, try to recover from this right now. We literally sat there for a solid like five to ten minutes after that and I was like, I need a minute. I'm like, my brain is like, it's like at the end of Saw. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, where you're trying to recover <coughs> your brain's from... trying to go back to everything and you're like, oh. Holy yeah. shit. You gotta do a little bit better coughing away from that. I know, I'm sorry. It's happens, okay, guys. Sorry. It happens when I don't know what's going to happen, and all of a sudden it's like it's like when you burp sometimes, and it's just like, oh, that happened. And it just comes That's up, so and funny. you're like, oh, shit. So I'm sorry for your eardrums. It's okay. I think that was the only time I saw that spike, and I was like, oh, crap. Sorry, guys, so for that one. Um, Let's so, talk about our experience with this next one, though, because yeah, we saw it together in moving seats. Yep. Moving seats. That yes. was an experience. Seeing a horror movie and seats that move <laughs> is definitely... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> anyway, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> yes, we highly recommend seeing a horror movie in moving seats. Yes. I feel like that Because the jump scares are even scarier. Ten times scarier. First of all, all the shit the nun got because it quote-unquote relied on jump scares. I'm sorry, but I feel like that's bullshit. And if that's your opinion, that's your opinion. But the atmosphere and the cinematography of that movie was phenomenal. 
And this, it, that movie was purely for story. That, yes. movie, that movie was purely for backstory on um, Valak, on how Valak came to be. So you're going to hear us refer to Thaisa Farmiga as Little Vera, like, the whole time. <laughs> look, if you didn't look so much like your sister. Listen, we love you, okay? You and American Horror Story and Final Girls and everything else you've done, I love you. But you act so much like Vera. Your little baby Vera. You scream the same. <laughs> sorry, you have the same mannerisms. Vera. It's like... God, when they scream, they scream exactly the same. It just... So you have little baby Vera and Frenchie. (laughs) And of course the father. You have father as well. Our favorites in the movie. Yeah. Yes. So basically the movie just kind of starts out where these nuns are going into this room that in in Latin says, uh, God ends here. And, um... They open the door and the the nun basically finds a key and gives it to the other nun and says, you know, like, do you know, you know, it needs a soul. It needs a, I'm sorry, it needs a vessel, <clears throat> excuse me, to go on. Yeah, it's actually in a monastery in Romania. So this one came out last year, but then this movie... I guess to try to, to tie up the years, this one takes place in the 50s in, in 52, Romania. 52, I believe. So if you <clears throat> if you remember uh, when uh, Sister Charlotte mentions in uh, Annabelle Creation, when she mentions the, the monastery of the sisters, and she shows the picture and you see Valak, so this would have actually been just a few years. Because that was kind of in the same timeline. That was in the 50s, and then this was just a few years prior. <clears throat> so, the other nun gets pulled into this room, and you kind of figure she just dies. Um, the nun that has the key walks down the hallway and goes to this other room and basically starts making a noose. And, guys, this part is creepy. I don't care who you are. This part where Valak is coming out, she's coming down the hallway, and every time she hits a set of lights, the lights go off. And there's this, like, underlying music going on at the same time, and I'm just like, oh my god, 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 oh my god. (laughs) I was just like, no, no, no. (laughs) And then she ends up, so the nun ends up jumping off the balcony and killing herself. Well, the, the, the window shuts, and then Valet goes up to the window, and you see her reflection. And... <clears throat> that's basically how it starts. And then it's like, the nun. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And you're like, oh. <laughs> that fucking music. I'm just like, oh. please stop. <laughs> I'm just going to call. I'm going to call you tonight. And you're going to the phone and I'm going to be like, oh. <laughs> and be like, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be so pissed off at me. <laughs> and then, okay, so after that, <clears throat> Basically, you see uh, little Vera. <laughs> um, she's little baby Vera. She's <clears throat> talking to this class of kids, and she's being sweet and everything. And basically, you come to find out that she is wanting to be a nun. And um, <clears throat> they're sending her off to 
Romania, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize, good Jesus, um, with a father to check out the monastery up there because they had heard about the suicide that happened. So um, they are going up there. And as they're going up there, they meet this guy named Frenchie. And Frenchie is just like a farmer dude that's just kind of like helping out around the grounds and does things here and there. He is the one that actually found the nun who hung herself. And the odd thing is, is that apparently it had been a few days since she hung herself, but the blood on the steps was fresh. Like, it had just happened. Like, the blood had not uh, clotted, and, and it was just, it dried. It was completely fresh. Which was, you know, a little odd, and they were all like, you know, this is, you know, this place is kind of, like, cursed, whatever. And ever since they, like, immediately walked into the place, it just had this feel. The whole atmosphere of the place was just off. Something was off. They end up going into the monastery, and they meet the... Is it, is it Abbas? Yes. Abbas? Yeah. And you can't see her face. It's just, she's just completely in black. Oh, because that's not horrifying. And I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> like, this is not correct. So, um, it still seems like it's a running monastery and everything. Like, there are nuns there. And she's just being weird and, like, talking and weird, talking about weird things and She's like, we're about to take our vow of silence. If you want answers to your questions, you're going to have to wait till tomorrow. They're like, okay. So they stay the night. And even weird things happen that, well, actually something very bad happened that night. Um, The priest was, so the priest told little Vera, she's not even going to be Sister Irene, y'all. She's little Vera. So the priest told little it's Vera that. It's to call her anything else. <laughs> it's right. It's just, it's so hard. So the priest told uh, Sister Irene that um, when he, he had a similar case before where he tried to save this little boy from a possession. His name was Daniel. And uh, he didn't, he ended up not making it because he couldn't sustain the injuries the demon had caused him. So he was actually led out of his room by a radio that turned on by itself. And, um, goes out of his room. As soon as he flashes the light on the radio, of course it turns off. And he's basically led outside by the spirit of Daniel. Um, well, quote unquote, spirit of Daniel. Because, you know, Valak is the deceiver. Like, ultimate deceiver. So, everything that's happening in this monastery that's like a spirit is always linked back to Valak. Right. So he goes outside, tries to find the spirit. And he's following this spirit that looks like Daniel. And he ends up following it, following it into the uh, cemetery. Which, all of a sudden, he sees a nun in the cemetery. And um, he's trying to follow the nun and ends up being Daniel again. Which is weird because it's like, it's flashing like back and forth between like forms that it's taking. And, and Daniel um, was the name of the little boy that he had actually done yes. some botched exorcism. The little boy yes. died. So, so the he, demon is taking on this vision of Daniel. Basically, the demon. I've actually noticed that Valak will take on the vision of whatever something that is dear to you. Mm-hmm. 
that either a regret or something, you know, because like for, for Lorraine, actual Lorraine, it, it was blasphemous to her faith. To him, it was someone he tried to save and he couldn't save. Um, now it did show the, in the form of a nun to Sister Irene as well, which I mean, she was becoming a nun. That makes perfect sense. <clears throat> but, um, so he's in the cemetery and basically Daniel scares him because he, he finally walks up to him as a spirit. This snake comes out of his mouth, right. pushes him back into a hole, a grave, basically the, um, coffin lid shuts. And then all of a sudden the camera pans out and there's no hole. It's just completely covered ground that hasn't even been dug up. Like he was basically buried alive. Yeah. And it it wasn't even buried. It was just like, how the fuck did that happen? Because the ground wasn't even like picked up. It was just, he fell into the, like he just traveled <laughs> through the ground, through the dirt into the, into the grave. Pretty much. So he's down there, and of course, you know, like, at this time, it was during the time where they had the little bells attached to it, where you could pull the bell, and, um, excuse me, and that could be like, hey, I'm alive down here, you need to unearth me. So, meanwhile, he's down in there. Sister Irene is asleep and gets woken up. Um, So she gets, she wakes up, and... Oh my god, this part. She walks out of her room, and as she turns to go a different direction, Valak is standing in front of the window. Guys, the atmosphere of this movie is just creepy. (laughs) Because Valak is like... If you always watch the background of this movie, Valak is somewhere. I swear to god. Valak is always somewhere in the background of this film. So, she ends up walking outside... And she goes outside. Well, she, she walks into the church first and foremost. Valak appears to her in the church. Right. In the mirror, yeah. In the mirror. And that fucking scared the shit out of me. Um, and then did she start hearing him screaming after that? Or yeah, she, she basically she was, started. She was being, like, called. Into she saw right, a vision. Right. And she was being called to that area. And um, she goes outside and hears him ringing the bell, but then Valet makes it to where she hears the bells on all of them. So she doesn't know which grave it is until she basically, like, closes her eyes and realizes that she can kind of figure it out on her own. And, you know, of course, God's helping her. But um, she basically figures out that which one it is. And when she does, all of the rest of them stop and she's able to save him. Conveniently, a shovel is nearby. <laughs> I, I didn't did think that was funny. I was like, oh, conveniently, there's a shovel. <laughs> so she's un- yeah. she's actually digging him up while Valak is trying to kill him. He's screaming while Valak's hands are over his face trying to pull him down. And she finally breaks through. And when she breaks through, Valak goes away. And right. she ends up getting him out. Um, so they're a little shaken up. (laughs) The next day they go back to the Abbey to try to, uh, Irene at the time is the only one that can actually enter. So she starts meeting with some of the other nuns and they find out that they pray constantly in shifts because they are aware of this evil entity and they're trying to keep it at bay. Uh, one of the sisters that she ends up becoming close to reveals the history of the Abbey and where it was built. So 
It was originally built in the Middle Ages as a castle. There was a duke who was obsessed with demonic activity. He actually summoned a demon through a rift in the catacombs, but he was killed by Christian knights, which to me looked very similar to, um, oh gosh, the Knights Templar. They kill him and uh, they're able to seal this rift in the catacombs that the demonic activity was coming up through, through the actual blood of Christ. Um, Holy shit. There were bombings, right? The holiest. There were bombings that happened during the second world war that through the hate and ravagedness of the, of this war that caused the rift to reopen as the uh, Abbey itself was being bombed. Uh, when Burke, the priest, is down, he's actually able to identify Valak when he's investigating as she's talking with the nuns, as Irene's talking with the nuns, and he discovers that the abbess has been dead this whole time. So where they thought that they were talking Yeah, that was her, rude. Like, yeah, that was Because she says insane. something. She said, Sister Irene's already lost, and then you just hear bones crack. Right. And then he fucking goes up to, uh, like, look at her face, and then this arm grabs him, and then he just rips the arm off, and then it's nothing. Right. Rude! <laughs> Rude! Exactly! <laughs> I'm just like, thanks. So, um, when Irene is attacked by Valak, she decides in the room, she ends up actually in the room that the original nun hung herself in. Uh, she finds herself with the other nuns and uh, as an act of contrition to keep the evil at bay, they're in perpetual prayer over and over and over again. So she starts praying with them. Um, in between all of this, Frenchie actually is in a bar. He comes back with a gun and decides to help them. He meets back up with Burke, the priest, and they're able to get in to the abbey through the basement door, through the freezer door. And uh, that's where they're able to find Irene praying with all of these other nuns um and come to find out when they reunite irene discovers that she had been alone the whole time and that the last nun that was there was actually killed that sacrificed herself to stop valak from possessing another body so she was actually seeing visions of these nuns praying with them they had already been dead they were already killed um so they all come together and decide that the only way that they can stop Valak is by sealing the rift with the blood of Christ, just like the former Knights Templar had done. That is um, the best line in every <clears throat> single one of these movies. I know. Holy shit. The holiest. The holiest. Oh my God. I love how it goes, the blood of Christ. Like, Christ? Christ? <laughs> like, no. Not that one. Like, are you kidding? I'm sorry, do you know another Christ? <laughs> I think it's just the shock of realizing that's what that is. But then it's interesting the way that they actually find it, because in earlier visions that Irene had, ha had had, she was told that Mary would point the way. And there happens to be a statue of the Virgin Mary, and the finger is pointing into a place in the wall where the uh, this globe was actually holding the blood of Christ. Um, that's when they return through the tunnel, and, um, that's when things start getting real. Yeah. Irene creepy, is, guys. Irene is possessed by Valak. Uh, Frenchie finds her. He takes some of the blood, smears it on her face to cast Valak out. That part was um, really fucking cool. Burke is attacked by Daniel's ghost. 
the demon, he, because uh, again, as we mentioned, Valak is the deceiver of, of snakes. So there was actually a snake that came out and bit Burke, bit, bit him in the eye. Um, and uh, they fall into the water. Well, Valak is choking Irene, little baby Vera, choking her under the water. <laughs> little baby Vera. It's too hard. It's cold. So she's choking her. Like at this point, she's choking her under the water. She actually took the blood and put it in her mouth. Nobody sees this happening. So when Valak lifts her up and thinks she's got her, she's, I mean, this part's like brilliant. She spits the blood in her face and that's it. Valak's done. It's over. Um, Is she though? <laughs> right. We don't know. <laughs> Frenchie uh, jumps into the water. It's called the kiss of life. He gives her. Uh, Is that okay? Is right. That okay? <laughs> so, uh, she asks him his name. It's Maurice, of course. Uh, he saves her life. They go to the end. They cut to the end where they find the priest. The All the nuns are buried by this time. Burke, Irene, everybody's fine. Um, the place is now cleansed, as she says. So they start to go away, and uh, they're, she's having this conversation back and forth with uh, Maurice Frenchie. And uh, he kind of starts to reach around the back of his neck and rub it. And you see the imprint of a cross on the back of his neck. Upside and you're down. Like, upside down cross. And you're like, no. No. Guys, no, this is when no. this is when James Wan does his shit again. And we're like, wait. <laughs> as soon as they're driving, walk like trotting away, cutscene. To the beginning of the fucking conjuring. Yep. When Ed and Lorraine are talking about this guy who was a farmer who was possessed and spoke some of the greatest Latin he ever knew, showed Lorraine, grabbed her, and showed her a vision, which you find out in the conjuring too, which we had talked about was Valak killing Ed. That's how he connected it. Maurice was the guy from The Conjuring in the tape at the yep. beginning. We were all like screaming. Again, we were all like, another one, oh my god! Again, another one like the end of Annabelle creation where you were just like, I don't know. We all sat there. We were what? freaking out. We were like, oh my god. We were all like, we were, we were like, wait, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Like, I mean, you just didn't know. Sorry to scream in everybody's ear. Uh, it's just like, I mean. Again, you can't get And now more you can't watch the original Conjuring the same. You ever again. I will ever never again. watch it the same. Because every time I see it now, I'm just like, Frenchie. Because now everything always from the beginning to the end comes back to Valak. And you know, Lorraine had always talked about you can't fight these alone and how she would deal with like legitimate demons. And you know, there could have been... Demons were after her and Ed. I'm talking in real life. Because they fought them off. Who knows if there was like a legitimate one demon who just would constantly go after them and after them and after them. Right. You know? And you, you look back on it and you're like, obviously it probably wasn't Valak, per se. Because that's like a high-end, like, whew, that's a bitch. But even if it was, like, Lorraine and Ed were, had their faith and they were had God on their side and had strength on their side to fight the evil that is in this world. And one of the reasons why I love them so much, because it's like, you guys really took to your death 
probably one of the hardest jobs you ever could have done, and they wouldn't even do it for money. They didn't do it for money. They did it because they knew it was their, that's what they were supposed to do on the earth. But it's just funny how it all comes back to one demon who fought them through every single thing that they did. Much less two demons, because you've got Annabelle, who's a bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Total bitch. So you have Valet going through all of this, and then you have Annabelle, who's like a secondary bitch. Yeah. So. That was amazing. Yeah, that was that was just that was such a which which you thought would have been the ending to the Conjuring universe, but it was just a good. It wasn't the ending ending, but it was just such a good way to tie back into the very beginning of the movie and to get the origin of Valak, where Valak tied in to the Warrens, and where it, it just it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was so well done. I really hope there's never an ending to these movies. Well, um, you know, that'll lead us into Annabelle Comes Home that just recently came out this year, uh, which is basically kind of, it's this, it's, they consider it the seventh installment in the, in the universe. Um, and it basically just gives us the whole, it's kind of the more factual, goes into the backstory of the nursing students investigate or finding out that you know, all this stuff happening with Annabelle, the Warrens get involved, they take Annabelle, and then it introduces you to the Warrens occult museum that is actually in their home. Now, currently it is closed. The actual museum is closed. Um, they're trying to relocate to find another area to have the museum. But, um, you know, we get an idea in seeing it because, you know, in, in the other movies, you kind of saw little bits and pieces of when they would bring artifacts back from different places and put them in the museum. But this one actually showed you all of the museum and introduced you to other artifacts that were in the museum that were haunted. Um, the Warrens are off to do, I think, are they going to a case actually? They want to do a case. Yeah, they want to do a case and their daughter. It'd actually be really interesting if the Conjuring 3 takes place as the case that's happening during this that they movie, were you know on during this one, yeah. <laughs> so their daughter Judy is left with babysitters. The babysitters end up in the museum, and Annabelle gets out, and chaos ensues, as we know, because that's it what was. Annabelle it was does. basically just ignorance of one of them. Well, I thought James Wan uh, did a really good job in pointing out that he wanted this to almost be like a horror version of Night at the Museum. <laughs> Oh my God, that's exactly what like, it that's, was. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> that's exactly what like, it was. I was like, this is perfect. I was like, what a spot on description of what that movie was for the most part. And it all comes alive, museum. everything else comes alive. Everything else comes alive. So um, yeah, no spoilers, guys. We highly recommend if you haven't seen it yet and you are a fan of the universe of the Conjuring films uh, to please go see it. Um, it was beautiful. It was a touching touching tribute to Ed and Lorraine. Uh, James Wan graciously dedicated the movie to Lorraine Warren, um, who we lost this year. And uh, it was amazing. I actually had my own experience. Uh, I saw a vision of Lorraine in the movie theater um, during the movie and uh, felt her behind, sitting behind me the entire time. Um, and it was very comforting. Uh, I got very emotional at the end. Um, 
there's a scene, if you've seen it, you guys will know, but again, I won't spoil it. But uh, I definitely felt like that, that movie, uh, sort of in similar stance with The Conjuring 2, that that movie was a really beautiful testament to not only Ed and Lorraine, but kind of the family as a whole, because we get to see Judy and, you know, Judy is, uh, is married herself and uh, he has sort of taken on the role of where Ed left off and he himself was trained as a demonologist and Judy has, it's known that she has very similar, uh, I don't really want to say powers, abilities, but, uh, similar abilities to her mom. Lorraine so um a lot of that is touched on in the movie and it's just well, it was really it's a really beautiful story it's really interesting because I actually saw the movie before Becky did and I told her I said I felt Lorraine in this movie more than I have felt her going to a movie theater and seeing one of those movies and you know that is the first of those movies that had come out since she has passed and, you know, James Wan did genuinely dedicate that movie to her. And I'm like, Becky, I did not see her, but I heard her and I felt her. And it was really neat. There was a couple parts, like, it's kind of like what she said, like, there's a couple parts where you're going to know, like, what we're talking about probably. Right, exactly. When, when they happen. Right. Um, But... I even I even told Mackenzie I was like I feel the rain in this movie so much and it's like even now rewatching the Conjuring series anytime Vera is on the screen it's just like I said it's it's Lorraine and you can you, I just I feel her in those movies so much and she it's just it's so nice that James Wan has legitimately made these movies because their stories are now out there and more people will either say they're bullshit or they'll believe them. And, you know, it's just like what Ed said. And actually, I'm going to pull up this quote because this is probably my favorite quote either one of them have ever said. So give me one moment. You can go on for one second while I'm looking up this quote. Yeah, guys. So um, this is pretty much the end of the podcast. Uh, we really hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you guys are a lover of the Conjuring universes, we are. Uh, we really wanted to go you know, not too in-depth because this podcast would have been forever, but as in-depth as possible as we could of the movies, the significance of each movie, certain key points in each movie, and then as a whole, how each movie ties into each other. Um, you know, the the universe isn't done yet. There's still more movies to come. Conjuring 3! Um, <laughs> well, not only The Conjuring 3, so I'll go back to The Conjuring 3, but there's apparently supposed to be another installment of Annabelle spinoff story. There will be a Crooked Man movie. Hold that up. James There's Wan another is... Annabelle? Yeah. Stop! <laughs> there will be. There will be. There Stop! Was, uh, so James Wan did an uh, interview with uh, Bloody Disgusting back in May of this year where he did say that uh, he will be producing a number of upcoming projects. There's going to be a Swamp Thing, a remake of Tommyknockers, which was a great Stephen King story, The Crooked Man uh, as all of you will remember from The Conjuring 2. Yes. Um, and then he says the next installment in the Annabelle spinoff story. So, I wonder if he's talking about Annabelle Comes Home, though, because that was May. Oh, that's right. So he may have been talking about... Okay. Because I'm like, Sorry, there's guys. literally nothing else you can go, nothing else you can do Sorry, unless you guys. do the real story. So May, he did the interview. <laughs> Flash forward, the Annabelle movie came out after that. 
Uh, but he goes on to talk about, this was actually the announcement where he mentions the plot of The Conjuring 3, which is set to be released next year in 2020. Um, and that plot will actually follow a real life case of the trial of a man named Arnie Johnson. Uh, the case, if any of you grew up in the 80s and are familiar with this story, is called the Devil Made Me Do It case. Um, it was the first known court case in U.S. history where the defense sought to prove that the defendant was under demonic possession when he committed a murder. Um, this was a very famous case in Connecticut that the uh, Warrens were highly attached to. And uh, what James Wan said in the interview when he was discussing the plot to Conjuring 3, this was, of course, prior to the new Annabelle coming out, is he was saying that where, whereas in the Annabelle movies, they were kind of able to have fun and the nun movies, they were able to sort of do these wacky things. The Conjuring movies, he really wants to keep true to actual cases that the Warrens did. So as Casper said, to really be a testament to the Warrens themselves um, and what they did and how they were able to help and how they were able to introduce into the world that there really are spirits, the difference between them and demons. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, if any of you guys know about that case back in the 80s, this should be an amazing, amazing conjuring, just as the other two were. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm pretty sure I actually left off the Warren's podcast with this, but I love this quote so much. He says, this is an Ed, from Ed Warren himself. Diabolical forces are formidable. These forces are eternal and they exist today. The fairy tale is true. The devil exists. God exists. And for us as people, our very destiny hinges upon which we elect to follow. Like, that's in The Conjuring. The actual Conjuring movie that's at the very end of it. Right. And it's like, yeah, I that, that. that has always stuck with me. That's one of my favorite quotes by them. And it's just, it's true. It's like, it's so, it's so neat that these movies are getting out and more people are seeing what they really did and looking more into it. Cause I personally like read the demonologist, read the demonologist. Seriously. If you want to know more about what they did, that book is solid. So, and that's where I got most of my Annabelle, um, research was that book. Yeah. Cause they go very in depth. <clears throat> so. Thanks, guys. Woo! <laughs> that was a lengthy one. Honestly, we could sit here and talk. I could talk about the hours. I know. I could talk about this. Guys, The Conjuring is my favorite movie ever made. My favorite horror movie ever made. Come on. I could talk about it for hours. On, I could talk about one of the movies. <laughs> yeah, that's why we said we tried to pinpoint the points of... You know, and we, we also hope, too, that if none of you have actually ever seen the movies and are new to them, that... If we did, you know, we did give spoilers, of course, except for the US ones. But we do want, if you've never seen them, and, you know, it, please, it you it really would do, you would really do yourself a service to really go back and actually watch the movies if you've never seen them. Like, this, we hope, was a good introduction. And, of course, if you are a fan, we hope we did it justice, so. Even if you don't believe in this stuff, guys, you know, we're not forcing our opinions down your throat whatsoever. If you don't believe in demons and if you don't believe in God, that's fine. That's your opinion, but... Watch these movies. They're great just, movies. They're you know, movies. They're still movies. They're great movies. And again, um, 
Go back and listen to our Warrens episode if you want to get more information about the Warrens, if you did not listen to that one. Um, and again, like we said, we know we didn't include La Llorona, but I don't consider that part of the universe necessarily, but we did, of course, do a whole episode about it, so. But yeah, no, La Llorona is not a part of the country. I just, I don't consider that, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so right, a guys. word from our sponsor. Calm your body down. Oh, wow. That ding was like barely. Look at it. It's the whittle. <laughs> like barely made a, barely made a ding. Um, so thank you for all the new followers, guys. If you've been uh, following along on Instagram, then you will see that we do have some new followers. Um, and we really, really, really appreciate that. So uh, when we reached 120 followers, we made it to uh, a new coupon code out there. So if anybody's wondering, because I just wanted to get through that confusion, if it's causing any confusion, that um, <laughs> I you, can still, right, you can still use the um, DFWTO coupon code for free shipping, but there is another coupon code that you can use in conjunction with that where you will save uh, 20% off of everything um, on the Etsy shop. And that one is see your BD 20. So it is the actual Instagram name, which is see your BD. Uh, and then the number 20, put that in and you'll get 20% off and then still use the uh, DFWTO code for free shipping. So thanks guys. Calm your body down. A little bit better. <laughs> Just a little bit louder. A little bit louder. All right, guys. So next week, we have a surprise for you. It's going to be on a Tuesday. The reason is because of all days for there to be a concert that I would like to go to, it's on a fucking Wednesday. I don't understand <laughs> why a concert is on a Wednesday. Like, come on, guys. Why can't we just you know, have a concert on a weekend, like normal people. But um, I have a concert that I really want to go to next Wednesday. So Becky graciously agreed. Uh, we're going to do our podcast on Tuesday of next week instead. Um, so we will be releasing it one day early. So you, you guys get it one day early. <laughs> Yay. Um, and it will be a podcast basically in honor of Ari Aster. Now, if you don't know who Ari Aster is, he is the one who directed Hereditary, which is a fucking amazing... You talk about an atmosphere movie that's Ooh, just... Shit. Whew. Uh, we will be talking about Hereditary, and we will be talking about Midsummer. Um, so it's basically going to be like our, our episode that we did on um, Jordan Peele. We're going to do the same thing, but we wanted to do something because Midsummer just came out. So we want to talk about, especially because he, he just did Hereditary last year and Hereditary was incredible. So we will be doing an episode on him and on those two movies. So please join us next Tuesday because Tuesdays are sometimes for podcasts. Yeah. Tuesdays are the rescheduled days. Uh, for podcasts. Tuesdays are for when concerts are stupid on Wednesdays. I've actually been to a concert on a Wednesday night too, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. But, but um, anyway, oh, so well. guys, make sure to check out um t Tuesday of next week, and I will, I will send out some reminders so you guys remember and um keep it cool. Thanks It'll, for joining us. It Watch be... all the Conjuring movies, <laughs> guys. We'll announce it. Um, as always, we'll announce on our social medias. 
So if anybody's confused because you're going to be like, what? Like, why is it on a Tuesday? We'll, on my promo we'll Monday that I usually there. do, I'll make sure to be like, promo Monday. But don't forget, it's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and not Wednesday. Yeah, no. Tuesday. Not of course, Wednesday. you know, if you subscribed <laughs> on Podbean or CastBox. <laughs> We're just saying. Then you would get a notification. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> You would get a notification when we would actually put it out. When, Everybody's you, like, look what you did to yourself. I know. I decided to choke myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, social media, follow us on Podbean and CastBox. If you subscribe, you will get notifications when we send out new episodes. So even if it is a Tuesday, you'll be like, oh my God, look at it. It's right there on my phone. Then you will know. I think Spotify might actually even um, like to give you a heads up about it. Um but yeah, follow us on Spotify, Pod, Podbean, Castbox, po- Podcast Addicts, uh, Podcast Player. Um, give us a follow, subscribe on there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't fuck with or DFWTO eighty eight eleven is the Twitter handle, and of course, you know, Facebook and Instagram is don't fuck with the original. Also, if you want to email us, it's DFWTO eighty four ninety three at gmail Pretty Anytime. proud of myself that I'm getting that <laughs> solidly correct every time as well. No tongue twisters. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.